Back home on the farm, we've got a variety of tractors and we need each one of them to perform the various tasks we have to do, whether hay or otherwise. We've got a number of them and so by that number, you can actually group them and split them apart. In one group, there's actually the new tractors, so the ones that look really good, the ones that are shiny, that have all of the luster of that color that they were originally painted with, and they look really good. They look modern and they look sleek. And so that's one group. But then there's a second group, and this is the more weathered tractors because they've been there longer, that they've got thousands of hours on their timers, that they've got all sorts of rust, they've got all sorts of discoloration, that they've largely faded. And yet, whenever we look at those two groups, one might ask the question, which group is more reliable? Now, some of us might say, well, the modern ones, because they have less time, they have less ability for things to go wrong, that surely they haven't broken down yet. But probably the more astute amongst you know exactly where I'm going. That the older ones are actually the more reliable ones, that they tend to be the daily drivers, the ones that function day in and day out without much trouble, that they've proved themselves over that test of time. But it's not about appearances. We know that tractors don't run on appearances, but they very much run on something else, something internal and something in the core. And we likely experience this in our own humanity as well. That oftentimes we can look on the field, maybe it's a particular sport, football or basketball or something of that nature, and we see the least athletic one that scores the winning touchdown or the winning goal. Or perhaps we're looking at a group of people and it's the quiet one that comes up with the most profound insight. That often we know that we can't look at appearance, that we can't judge based on the surface, but there's something so much deeper. But then the question remains, whenever we approach our Lord and our God, are we just settling for those external appearances, making things look like they're good on the inside, that we have it all together, that things are going really well? Or do we actually give our Lord what matters? And that's really the question for us to consider as we walk through the readings in the gospel this morning. This morning, we start off with the book of Sirach for the first reading. And so he's one of those books that really has its place in wisdom literature, meaning those things that are very practical for us to live our life. But as we go through those different books of wisdom literature, it's not just about a sort of superficial literature or not a sort of wisdom that we would expect to be earthly. But in fact, Sirach is pointing more towards God. But what does he say here? Well, first he starts off by reminding us that the Lord does not play favorites, that he's a Lord of justice, but he doesn't simply play favorites. He doesn't look for those who might seem to win his esteem the most. But in fact, he does operate on the system of justice. But then we go into the series of different prayers that he might hear. So we hear about the weak, the oppressed, the widow, the orphan, all of these different individuals that might pray to God. And we hear that he favors their prayer, that we understand that he's going to listen, that their prayer pierces the sky, that we're hearing that the lowly prayer, it goes up to heaven and it waits and it functions until God actually hears, listens and answers to that prayer. And so we know that there's this sudden leap of faith that takes place, that the person who's praying to God, no matter if they're lowly or if they're esteemed, their prayer is going to be heard. But why is there this God of justice at the very beginning? Why does it seem like this is disconnected? We'll come back and revisit that theme in just a moment. 
Then we move on to St. Paul in his second letter to Timothy, which we've been following for the last few weeks. And St. Paul's actually reflecting on his life that he knows that his time is very short, but he's been saying all this time that he's been poured out like a libation, but he knows that he's competed well, that he's run the race, that he's continued to do what the Lord has asked him. But notice what he's saying here. That he isn't saying that things have gone in his favor, that things have gone well, that things on the external are looking good. But in fact, he's telling us about all of the ways that he's been betrayed, about the ways that he's fallen short, that uh, the ways that others have pushed him away, or the ways that he simply felt like he's exhausted. And yet, nonetheless, he still persists. That he knows that the Lord has given those promises of salvation, of justice, of eternity, and that because of those things, that he still stands strong at the end of the day. That he doesn't look towards those failures or those things that don't look very good on the surface, but nonetheless he persists, he pushes on, because he knows that God is still asking something of him. That he wants to gain that eternal prize of salvation, and because of that he still has faith, he trusts, even though things might look bleak on the surface. And then finally we arrive at the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus addresses this very particular parable to those who are convinced of their own righteousness and despise everyone else. It's a very pointed parable and it's very targeted towards this specific group of people. But nonetheless, it has a very resounding point. Whenever he goes in, he says there are these two individuals that walk into the temple. There's this Pharisee and then there's this tax collector. And we can almost imagine exactly the demeanor that the Pharisee and the tax collector walk into the temple with. That we see the Pharisee, and he's very convinced of himself, he probably walks with his head held high, that he just goes blazing straight into that temple, that things are looking great. And then he starts his prayer, that he takes up his place in the temple, and he starts off and he says, Oh God, I'm not like any of the rest of humanity. I'm not greedy or adulterous. I pay tithes. I do all of these splendid things. But notice a detail. He actually isn't praying at all. He's actually speaking to his own heart. He's speaking to his own soul. He's trying to make himself feel good. And so he's not exactly speaking to God, but he's speaking to himself. He's comforting and reassuring himself of all of these great things that he's done before God. But in fact, there's something that's missing that we'll get to in just a moment. But notice the tax collector. We can imagine that he walks in with his head kind of downcast, that he feels that he's done so many wrong things, and we know the reputation that tax collectors often had at that time, because they were known for their extortion, they were known for cheating people out of their money. And so he walks in with his head hung low, that he knows that he's done so many things wrong. Whenever he approaches God, he doesn't even have the courage to lift up his head. And he has this very simple prayer. That the Pharisee had this beautiful long prayer that seems like everything's going well, that everything's right, that everything's ship-shape. And yet the tax collector just has this very short and meager prayer. Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That we can see these beating his breast, that he's really disappointed in the way that his life has gone. That he feels like he has nothing left to offer, and yet that's all he has. And the Lord still looks upon that favorably. Because Jesus tells us at the very end that that man, the tax collector, was the one that was justified, the one whose prayer was heard because he dared to speak to God. And indeed, he wanted to speak to God because he knew his place on earth wasn't that great. And so his prayer was heard. The Pharisee was not. That even on the externals, whenever we think things might look good in one sense with the Pharisee and not with the tax collector, that the Lord hears the cry of the tax collector nonetheless. But then this asks the question, 
Whenever we approach the Lord our God, do we like to have it all together? Or do we approach the God, our God and trust Him with our vulnerable and broken state? Do we trust Him with all the crud and all the muck that's in our life? Or do we simply want to make it look as if we have it all answered, that we've got everything figured out? Because the Lord is reminding us of something profound and something important today. He's reminding us it's not about having all the answers. It's not about having it all together. It's not even about looking good in the eyes of God our Father. But instead, it's about approaching Him in a humble way. That it's about approaching Him in all truth and all faithfulness and trusting that God will do exactly what He says. But there's three different points that we can look at to see exactly when we approach the Lord, are we approaching Him in the Spirit as if we have it all together, or in the spirit of honesty and faithfulness, knowing that we might need the Lord's help, that we need His faith, we need that aid that He wishes to provide. Because that's the point that he wishes to give us. But there's three different things that we can look at this morning to assess exactly where we are. The first is that spirit of humility. Because if we go back to that book of Sirach, I ask that question. Why are the prayers of all of these different individuals being heard if our God is a God of justice and shows no favorites? It's this. That those other people, those orphans, those widows, all of those people that approached God that day dared to approach God in the first place at all. That those other people might have felt like they had it well enough together, that they felt like they didn't need to speak to God, that they didn't need prayer, that they didn't need to speak to Him or ask for anything. And so they felt in their spirit of pride that they just didn't speak to God at all, that they didn't ask for anything that they needed. But those that were broken did that they were the ones that wanted to approach God in prayer and ask for whatever they needed. They didn't see this need to look superficially good, to have it all vain and all the way that it looks like they have that they know what they're doing. But in fact, they saw the need to ask for God, that they had the humility to know that the Lord is always going to provide us with whatever we need, that we're not going to find everything we need on our own two feet or in our way, that we're not going to find the ability to find everything that we desire and everything we need by our own power, but by God's own power and by his own grace and providence, that's where we find everything we need. And so having the humility to even approach God in prayer, that's first, that's what we need. That gives us that ability to look away from appearances and look towards the truth of the way that our relationship with God is founded. But then we should also move on because we see St. Paul in the way that he approaches God, that even in whenever things seem to be failing, whenever things seem to be on the down and out, what keeps St. Paul going? Trust. That he knows that God has always promised these great things, that he's promised that if you remain faithful to me, that I will reward you a hundredfold. And St. Paul trusts in that. That he continues to approach, that he continues to do the work of the gospel because he does have faith. That even in the midst of all of the different things going on, or the failures, or those trials, or those sufferings, even the affliction, when St. Paul knows his time is being cut short, he still trusts anyway. That's a reminder for us that even when things don't look very good, if we trust in God, we know that they will be good in the end. But then finally we are approached and we see these two individuals, this Pharisee and this tax collector, and there's a fundamental difference between the two. Because the Pharisee was not vulnerable with God. The Pharisee was not willing to open up his heart and his soul in even those most broken places in his humanity, but he was only simply focusing on those things that he felt were good. And even so, he didn't have the courage to approach God and to ask for whatever he needed. He was only speaking to himself. But notice the tax collector, he had something that that Pharisee did not. 
that he had that ability to be vulnerable, to be open and to pour himself forth before God, to notice that even those places where he felt that he didn't have it all together, he didn't have the answers, he was broken and wounded and frail, that God wanted to be there anyway, that he had the vulnerability and that ability to give God access to his heart and his soul and to enact the healing that God wanted to provide to him, but only if he was open and only if he was willing to give that over to God. That the tax collector was justified that day because he wasn't willing to be consumed by pride. He wasn't willing to be consumed by his own ego or the ability to look like he had it all together, the way to look like he had everything he needed. But he knew he needed still more, that he approached God in all humility and all trust in knowing that he needed something more, that he needed God in his life and in his ability to receive him. But that's the beautiful reminder for each and every one of us. Because whenever we approach the Lord each and every Sunday or every time we go to Mass or even in our own prayers throughout the day, we can approach in those two ways. That we can approach as that Pharisee and maybe not even approach him at all because we feel like we have it all together or we want to look vain, that we want to look like we do have that ability to stand on our own two feet. But is it so bad if we don't? Because that's really where the tax collector finds his, his strength. He finds the ability to relate to God in a more powerful way. Because even in his weakness and even in his brokenness, he's still relating those things to God. He's opening them up because he knows it greatens and it increases his own capacity to receive from what God is giving him. But he has that ability to trust. That he's humble, that he trusts in God, and he's vulnerable before the Lord. And it should be so with us. And that's really the encouragement that we should have, my brothers and sisters, that we don't need to look good before the Lord our God, that we don't need to have it all together, that sometimes our most beautiful moments, whenever we're broken, whenever we're in tears before the Lord, whenever we feel that we don't know what to say or what to do, that those are the moments that we receive the most from the Lord our God. We need to trust him with those moments. We need to trust him like that tax collector, that even in our weakness, our frailty, or even in our sinfulness, that if we approach God in all humility, all trust, and all vulnerability, then we're going to find what we need, that the Lord's going to provide for us exactly what we require and what's truly going to make us those saints that go forth and seek out eternal salvation. Because it's much like the tractors on my farm, that it isn't about looking good. It isn't about having that paint or that pristine exterior, but it's about having what it truly matters, what's reliable, what presents us before the Lord our God in all humility, all trust, and all vulnerability. If we truly approach the Lord our God that way, if we don't rely on those external appearances, and if we don't rely on those things that don't really matter, we're going to receive what truly does, all of the gifts that our Lord, our God, wishes to lavish upon each and every one of us. The tax collector has a very simple and very humble prayer. O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Let's truly make that our own in the way that we approach the Lord, our God, not relying on our appearances or the ways that things might look like they're all together, but relying on the ways that we need the Lord in all humility, all trust, and all vulnerability.